Welcome to another episode of Saints and Sinners Unplugged. I am Pastor Ken Jones, and I'm joined by our regular hosts, Pastor David Menendez, Tamiami Baptist Church, Pastor Jose Prado from Christ Family Church, and Pastor Aldo Leon from the Reconciled Church. We are four local pastors here in the South Florida, South Miami area who happen to be uh, in love with the doctrines of grace. And yeah. so we come together and meet with you at this time every week to discuss various aspects of the doctrines of grace or historic, or as one friend put it, uh, historic Protestantism or Reformed theology. Can we add something to that? Sure. We're not just in love with the doctrines of grace. We're in love with the covenant of grace. There you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the covenant of grace. Okay. All right. All right. We're going to do that. <laughs> he, yes. even, he even gave it a little romantic, you know, tone. <laughs> yeah. That's dangerously close to Jesus is my boyfriend, but, uh, <laughs> you know, no, I got you. Uh, well, we are in the middle, as you receive this or when you hear this, we are in the middle of the ho one of the holy seasons in the church calendar. Uh, we are in the throes of Passion Week, which culminates with uh, Good Friday and then also uh, Resurrection Sunday, which would be the first Sunday in April. Uh, one of the things that I like about these special holy seasons, and I know people make a big deal about this is when people go to church, Christmas and Easter, they used to anyways. I don't know if they still make as big of a deal about it as they, as they used to. Well. But, you know, we talk about Chris, Christmas and Easter churchgoers, and at least it used to be uh, a significance to those if, if you don't go any other time. And I would also argue that uh, if you get the gospel right, uh, even, even sometimes mediocre churches and mediocre preachers will at least get to the heart of the gospel during those two seasons, the, the season in which we celebrate the birth or the, and the incarnation of Christ, and the season in which we celebrate the crucifixion and the resurrection. Now, that being the case, um, we always say during those seasons that uh, what we are celebrating on Christmas or what we are celebrating Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday are aspects of our faith that we should celebrate weekly, daily, you know, as a, as a regular part of our Christian diet to hear about the fact of Jesus being born and, um, and all of the implications of that. And the same thing about his crucifixion and his resurrection. And certainly in, in churches, I don't know um, all of the, the liturgies of your various uh, churches, but I know we, as a part of our, of our liturgy, we, uh, can, we confess the Nicene Creed. And in the Nicene Creed, it mentions you know, the, the crucifixion of Christ or the, the incarnation. That being the case, um, I think it's very important for us to not just gloss over these events and not just to assume them, but as we usually say during these seasons, that we should, the, the, the content of those two seasons should constantly be before believers. Um, recently, of course, we had uh, Michael Horton, Dr. Michael Horton, uh, on our program. We interviewed him and we talked about his book, Core Christianity. And one of the things that Dr. Horton pointed out is that the purpose of core Christianity is to co continuously communicate uh, the, the aspects of the Christian faith 
that sometimes gets lost so that we can we, we reiterate those things to uh, especially young people. And he's written a whole book about it, and it's just breaking down the, the basics of the faith. Now, I would certainly say that uh, if the only time we talk about the crucifixion and if the only time we talk about the resurrection is Easter, obviously that's a good thing when you do it. But isn't that, isn't that a defect in our church if the substance of, of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is not central throughout the year? Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, definitely I would agree with that because, uh, you know, those, uh, those events are not just historical events we kind of like remember or look to um, once a year. <clears throat> when, when we see the whole of Scripture, what we see is, is like those events are the, that, that event of the resurrection is the pinnacle, you know, mm-hmm. of, of our faith. Uh, with, without the resurrection, our faith is wor- worthless, Paul says. It's, we're worthy to be pitied. Yeah, uh, and so and we're still in our sins, and we're still in our <laughs> yeah. sins, and so it's it's something that we look to, you know, always. I mean, it's our faith. Well, okay, you mentioned two things: one, the significance of the of the resurrection as being the centerpiece, really uh, the validating event or the event that validates everything else in the the ministry and life of Christ. But before that, you mentioned the historical aspect of it. Now, I think that's, that's worth exploring. When we talk about the Christian religion, we say that our religion, more than just you know, being a, a moral uh, guideline, but the Christian religion is itself, the facts of the Christian religion are grounded in historical fact. Would you agree with that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and being grounded in historical fact, so we're not just following a body of teaching. We are saying that in the Christian faith, the eternal God entered into time and space. So that being the case, before we get to the actual resurrection, let's talk about the significance of Jesus actually coming in the flesh. What's, why is that important? You know, that's, that's- one, that's, one, a long, that's a long conversation. Yeah, that's a long conversation. Well, a, but but let's, let's, let's start it. Let's <laughs> get into it. Uh, you know, one of the things that when, when you ask that question, it always brings me to is Hebrews chapter 10. Mm-hmm. And it kind of just reminds me of the Hebrew writer uh, quoting Psalm 40 and reminding his audience, you know, uh, of the Lord's words there, where it says, you did not desire sacrifice and offering but you prepared a body for me. And that's speaking of Christ. And then he goes on to say, why did God prepare a body for him? And what is it that Christ came to do? Uh, and, uh, and in verse 9 of Hebrews 10, it says, he then says, see, I have come to do your will. Mm. Uh, and so uh, there is a reality about human uh, fallen nature. And that reality is that we cannot do God's will. Uh, and, uh, Besides the fact that we cannot do God's will, Christ came not only to uh, do God's will in our place, but he came to do the very thing that God had uh, ordained for him to do, which is to, um, to pay for our disobedience. Uh, well, so, so that, that takes in the two parts of the gospel message that usually gets disconnected. In other words, when we talk about the gospel, if you ask average layperson, well, what is the gospel? And people will say, well, Jesus died for my sins. And that's true. But the other part of it, 
is he lived for my righteousness. Mm-hmm. So in, in previous programs, we've talked about the covenant headship of Christ. We've talked about federal representative, Jesus as our, as our federal representative. His bodily existence is, is important. And so before we put him on the cross, we have to understand what is the significance of that physical life that was really lived. Because if you can prove, A, that Jesus of Nazareth did not exist, then the same thing that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 about the resurrection, then, yeah, our faith is in vain and we're still in our sins. Or that he did not exist in the flesh. Yes, that he did not exist in the flesh. If I may read 1 John 4, a couple of verses there, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh mm. is from God. Yeah. Seems to have been one of the early heresies. Yeah, yeah, One of exactly. the early attacks on the gospel. That he was actually flesh and blood, which right. is offensive to some people, the idea of God becoming flesh. But but that is that is a cardinal, that's a cardinal doctrine of the Christian religion. So if mm. Jesus, A, did mm. not exist, or B, was not... <clears throat> physical did not bodily exist then our faith is a phony faith it's it's built on sand right yeah and what kind of jesus would be the one then that did not come in the flesh let's say that he is somehow the object of of a religion for some like for this heresy Mm -hmm. what would they or what were they believing and confessing about a jesus that had not come in the flesh as opposed to our confession that has that as a core element of our faith. Yeah, that he was he was quasi man, okay. that he he appeared to be human, but he wasn't fully human. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's uh, was it docetism? Yeah, docetism. docetism. Yeah. Um, yeah, that he appeared to be human, but he was not fully or truly human. So he yeah. was a purveyor of some type of wisdom. Yes. Some type of knowledge, maybe philosophy. And that's with us today in many mm. different ways. Yeah. You know, now, you know, the fact that Jesus has come in the flesh for us yes. means something that's very central to our faith. But it seems like the necessity of Jesus in the flesh is not totally you know, present and central yeah. to it's, Christianity today. It's, it's more yeah. about, it's, it's less about the historical Jesus. Right. It's more about <clears throat> the idea of Jesus yeah. and the model of Jesus right. and the relationship with Jesus and mm. the experience of Jesus and the ideas of Jesus, but mm. the historical Jesus is kind of, it's, it's somewhat diminished either explicitly or implicitly in different ways. Well, it's anything that moves us away from the reality of the crucifixion, you know, because the cross uh, is offensive. It's well, the cross, the one that. But we want to get to that because, again, if well, even if you don't deny a physical crucifixion, if it wasn't a real Jesus, if he, or if he wasn't fully in the flesh, mm-hmm. and we want to talk about what happened in the flesh mm-hmm. that made the death on the cross of, of value. Yeah. So, so th- th- there's a spiritualization spiritualization of Jesus that offers a, a certain religion to men. Yes. And in the case of the early heresy, early Gnosticism, mm-hmm. it was that idea that somehow we had that spark of divinity within. Yes. And it was in the spirit. Somehow we're trapped in this flesh. 
and through some sort of knowledge, no, uh, no, no, gnosis, we can be delivered so that yeah. we can ascend onto yes. the spiritual realms. And by the way, that's grounded <clears throat> in the 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 mis uh, the misnomer that flesh is inherently evil. Right. That all matter is evil, and as you mentioned, David, um, that's kind <clears throat> of found its way into Christian thinking reflected in some of our songs that like i'll fly away or just escaping the right. physical body right. yep and we do know that our physical body is corrupt yeah but the the alternative or the the, the, the solution in christ is not a disembodied experience hmm. but it's a renewed body that is no longer subject to a flawed soul right yeah. so right. yeah and the reality <laughs> is that we're not good souls <laughs> trapped yeah. yes in an evil yes, body that's you right. know, we, we 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 yeah. are evil at the core exactly. so it, it addresses the doctrine of sin and the doctrine of men right because uh at the core you know the christian faith says we're not fundamentally and essentially good right that necessitates a body for us <sighs> that's yeah. different from us Yes, or like us yeah. in nature right. uh, or constitution, but unlike without. us, without corruption, which Correct. brings yeah. us to the, the other part of that, mm. that uh, Jesus in his real body, his experiences are human experiences without sin. So on the one hand, if one can disprove the existence of Jesus of Nazareth, then our whole faith collapses, yeah. or if one can prove that Jesus of Nazareth sinned, then our faith also would collapse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So he accomplished in his body everything that we are supposed to be. We've said before that as a twelve-year-old, Jesus was what a twelve-year-old is supposed to be. He was a toddler, but without sin. So there were no terrible twos and <laughs> terrible threes. Uh, he, he, all of the human experiences of, of being in the flesh were present with him. Everything from sleep to, you know, uh, soiling his diapers. But everything was without sin. Man, my kids are about to go into teenage years. I, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> thinking Jesus was a teenager, but. Yeah. So he's not just. Uh, didn't struggle it, through all that. It's not just another avatar coming into history with this ideal that is evolving throughout history that's that's sort of evolving humankind mm. right because uh there's this idea and it's even today's eastern mysticism wow. and, you know that there's his avatars these special teachers and figures that success successively come onto the world's sphere in order to advance us forward right to, wow. to really push forward that kind of good essence of humanity and purify us right that doesn't necessarily require right a, a mm. physical body right you know as long as the ideal the ideas and the mindset and the teaching to push us forward is there wow yeah. we keep falling for that huh yeah i, I was uh <laughs> i was teaching uh at a this place called new hope this week and and i was asking I was in First John one, and I was like, "What? What do people think Christianity is?" Generally speaking, and just you know, went around the room and just heard some different answers. And I said, "We're just going to open up First John and see how John qualifies mm -hmm. Christianity." Mm -hmm. 
And one of the first things you read was, you know, or it says that which we have seen mm-hmm. with our eyes, that yeah. we we have touched right. with our hands concerning the word of life, that which we have uh, uh, heard, we are proclaiming to you. And I was saying that Christianity essentially is in, is is found and rooted entirely in a real flesh and blood person. Mm. Yeah, mm. Um, it's not lofty ideas. It's not principles. It's not. Uh, a philosophy, a, an idea of revolution, it is in a somebody, an actual somebody, who actually embodies the totality of our religion. Um, and the reason why Jesus had to become a human is because what, what is most essential for us is for someone to re- replace our humanity mm-hmm. um, in being the last Adam who performs perfectly where our first Adam failed and then dies for all of our lack of performance and in him being somebody who is entirely us, yet not us, and replaces us, we then have a real place to place our faith into. Um, and I, I don't know, I, I feel like the, the, the Christ consciousness or the Christ right. ideal is something which definitely kind of, um, it, it somewhat diminishes the reality of a human actual substitute, which is the object of our faith all the time. Even now, and I mean, Christ now is bodily in heaven as yeah. the mm. triumphing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's an amazing part of the gospel yeah. that the so, eternal Son of God, hmm. who pre existed <clears throat> all things without body <clears throat> for the sake of our salvation, <clears throat> took on a body, and he will forever exist <clears throat> in a scarred body <clears throat> so that we can <clears throat> forever live without scars in our bodies. So he didn't dissipate back into this eternal no. consciousness. No. I mean, you <laughs> into know, the realm of ideas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Christ will re- return hmm. bodily yeah. because he presently reigns bodily at the right hand of the Father. Hmm. So when the scripture says that he shall come and we shall see him as he is, hmm. Christ will return forever in a scarred body Amen. so that we can forever be in fellowship with the mm. triune God. Praise God. I mean, that's that's awesome when you think yeah, about it's it. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, matter of fact, after he rose and he appeared bodily, mm-hmm. you know, the way that he confirmed doubting disciples was not by, you know, just necessarily some kind of teaching on, you know, certain doctrines of the Christian faith, as important as those may be. Mm-hmm. But he concentrated on, hey, yes. look at my yes. pierced body yes. and hands. Believe yeah. that. Or, yeah. I've done this for you. Or, or else is really interesting. That, uh, it's like in every, uh, I think almost every account, it has a, it has a, a description of Jesus eating. And I'm like, yes. Huh? Yes. why the heck do we care yes. that Jesus ate bread? But now I'm like, because the same <clears throat> human, <clears throat> real Christ who yeah. was crucified for real humans, <clears throat> is the same resurrected embodied Christ mm. which is continues to be the object of our faith and so one of the most basic ways that you understand humanity is you eat yeah you know um yeah i like a, that yeah <laughs> i mean <laughs> you that eat. gives me hope <laughs> just, just kidding no and, and and you know here here's the thing that jesus you know, we were talking earlier about the idea of not fully human. Yeah, we. It, I think the idea of Jesus as a, just a concept or a body of truth that has infected a lot of uh, Christian thinking. But 
on the other side of it, the other extreme is to see Jesus merely as an example. Mm. Yeah. That yeah. Jesus yeah. is, and, and certainly we know that there are scriptures that talk about us following in the path of Jesus, but before we can follow in his path, that's not what discipleship ultimately is. Mm. In fact, the word disciple really means a learner. So as Jesus says, learn of me, mm. and then we follow based on what one has learned. But Jesus as, as role model, yeah. Jesus as example, is just as, as, as terrible. That seems to be the only way we follow these days. Right. Yeah. Just Jesus the example. Jesus yeah. the example, or yeah. Jesus just as a principle, even if he doesn't fully exist. Hmm. But no, he's yeah. more than an example. He is the kind of person that we are supposed to be. Yeah. He is our representative. So all of his bodily experiences are brought to bear on what takes place on the cross. Now, one of the things that kind of prepares us for the significance of Jesus' crucifixion, that his crucifixion is more than, it's, it's not a Roman event. This is a, this is a holy event. Mm. That, so what takes place on that cross is no different from what takes place in the, in the temple in Jerusalem as people are anticipating the coming of Christ. Yeah. So what does, when we look at the, the language of sacrifices, <clears throat> how does that carry over to the language or uh, the, the crucifixion of Christ or his bodily experience? What's one of the first qualifications for any animal sacrifices? Mm. Perfection. There it is. Firstborn. Yeah. Yes. Without, Without blemish. blemish. Mm -hmm. yeah. So from the Passover to any of the burnt offerings, the qualifications for the pr appropriate animal is not just any animal of your own choosing, yep. yeah. but it's the firstborn without blemish and with, you know, that is, that is a perfect animal for that animal. So you yeah. mean God does not just look at the sincerity of my heart and bring in an imperfect offering? Yeah. Well, an imperfect animal? <laughs> well, I want to add something to that, though, because, you know, we know I, I've heard a lot of times that people say the reason why Jesus was sinless was for him to be the perfect sacrifice, and that's it. Mm. And so that's, that's true, but that's not the only reason why Jesus had to be perfect. He had to be perfect because we needed credit for his perfection. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's not just he needed to be the perfect sacrifice. Yes. It's he needed, yes, he was the perfect sacrifice, but in his in his active life of perfection under God's creation law and republication law, he needed to be the perfect one who gives us Yes. credit for his perfections not just the perfect offering so both are both are true and and that's why the two parts of the gospel is jesus yes he did die for my sins but he lived for my righteousness right. and the righteousness that he actual it was an actual righteousness obedience to both tables of the law in thought word and deed and we are credited with that. Yes. Well, we'll pick up with this uh, next week, but uh, this is a, a good opening discussion on the significance of uh, the Passion Week that culminates both in the crucifixion and resurrection of our Lord. We look forward to being with you again next week on Saints and Sinners Unplugged. Thank you for joining us. Amen.